Welcome to another episode of OTXNT, which stands for Old Testament, Christ, New Testament. Two men, two degrees, Old Testament and New Testament. Listen to Dr. Andrew Marquez and Dr. Benjamin Pate begin a discussion on topics that you and I should probably be thinking about from a Baptist perspective. Hang in there. It's going to be all right. This stuff is good. Hit that like button. Check us out on YouTube. Hey, man, I am on. Welcome to another OTXNT episode. How are you doing, Andrew? I'm doing well. How are you, Ben? Hey, man. Can't complain. It's been a been a good day, long day. I got to tell you, we've had at our, I guess, in the past two weeks, three weeks, not only are we like ramping up because now finally, you know, Thanksgiving is coming and then everything Christmas in the life of the church. But we had like two, had one vowel renewal, one wedding and one funeral. It's a big, uh, been just a been a lot of things going on. But man, I am glad to take on today's conversation with you. Uh, I am thankful. I am thankful to do this. Oh, look at you tying it all in in case you had noticed. (laughs) This is Thanksgiving week. It's in two days. Um, (laughs) So I'm very thankful too. But we are going to be talking about some things that I think are helpful for all of us to think through. Um, And it's one that that probably I think this will be helpful uh, in the future for any of our students as they listen to this is uh, just the discussion on uh, law. Old Testament law, how do we deal with Old Testament law? So here's what's going to happen. After about a month and a half from now, people in both of our congregations will probably say, here is my my New Year's resolution. I'm going to read through the Bible all of next year. And as they do that, they will read through Genesis. And then they will get through to chapter 19 of Exodus make it through 20 because that's the 10 commandments and then say, Oh my goodness, what have I done? Right. And then they'll stop and they'll say, I'm just going to go back to like the new Testament, or I might just not read until next year. Right. Uh, And that's what happens all the time because we get kind of bogged down once we hit laws. So I'm excited about just saying, okay, well, how should we look at that stuff? What should we do with it? So uh, who better to have on uh, today than um, you and me, uh, that's our show. Anyways. I'm, I, I'm excited. I, you know, it, if we can get through the law, you know, then, then maybe next year we can challenge our people to build life-size replicas of the tabernacle, you know, because <laughs> that's I, the next I would not be opposed. Thing. I would love to have one uh, just to kind of yeah. look through and just be a nice, maybe even a tourist destination. You know, some people have, you know, like our friend Paul Smith over at uh, First Baptist Church, they have walked through Bethlehem. That is, ah. If you've not been to walk through Bethlehem, I think that starts next month sometime uh, over Miss at FBC Chandler um, Baptist. Mm-hmm. That is awesome. We could have walk through Tabernacle and that's just well, a year round thing. That's the, you know, you get through the law and then there's just that all the instructions on the Tabernacle, you know, and then, and then more law, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so and, is, and, and sometimes yeah. it's, I'm going to tell you, here's how you build it. And then I'm going to have a little narrative, and then I'm going to tell you, here's how they built it. And it's almost the mirror image of just what just took place, right? Um, And, you know, sometimes it's kind of like that. You know how they build narrative, too, is where they have kind of like there's mirror images, and there's what's in between is also important to focus on. But anyways, hey, man, let's get started, and let's kind of talk through maybe some approaches to how do we deal with laws. You want to to open us up? Let's go ahead. Yeah, let's let's pray Um, our, our Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven... 
hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And All right. Well, so let's, uh, let's get started. Um, so, okay. So some of the issues that we run into immediately, right, is um, people will say, uh, you know, oh, crud, I, I don't know how to deal with all these laws. That's part of it, right? The other part of it's going to happen this, and I knew I've grown up in church like this many times. Dude, that's Old Testament. We, we live under the new covenant. We don't deal with the Old Testament laws. Um, and that still just doesn't help me with then, okay, as I'm trying to read my Bible, that is for all of us to read. And Jesus said that it's, we'll all stand. The word of God's going to stand. We see references to even by uh, elsewhere with the apostles that the word of God will stand forever. Jesus says, not even a jot or a tittle will pass away. Um, okay, so as I try to read through it, I still need to deal with what should I do with them, right? Yeah. Um, and so I guess there's, I guess there's kind of like four, I think, good approaches, but there's some others that we'll throw in there. So I guess in casual conversation with some, some will just simply say, we don't deal with them. Done. We're a new covenant people. Who cares? Yeah. Yeah. And, and of course, you know, we just said the Lord's prayer. And one of the things we prayed was forgiveness for trespasses. And from that view, how do you know if you've ever trespassed anything, if there's no law of God that is uh, giving us boundaries, right? And, and so I, I do find it interesting because there's some very attractive things about that view that, hey, there, there is no law anymore. We're, we're under grace. And so everything we do is, is just kind of uh, up to us, you know, um, but that overlooks a lot of very specific passages condemning certain things, even in the new covenant. And so, yeah, I don't, I don't think that one holds. What do you thought? Yeah, I, I would not accept that as an appropriate answer. No, now I will say this. Uh, if you were to read Jeremiah 31, uh, you know, Jeremiah tells us that the old is passing away, right? That it's, uh, it's going away that the old covenant is becoming obsolete. Um, and so you need to kind of keep that in mind that, yes, the old covenant laws were not going to last. And so that's where you find he talks about the new covenant that was going to be made. Uh, and, and then you see that kind of played out elsewhere, too, where the prophets talk about that God was going to have to do a new work. Uh, even the Torah itself ends uh, you know, Moses saying that God's going to have to, when they come back, they're going to have to be given a new heart uh, in order to, to obey finally. Uh, and so those are things that we need to keep in mind. And I do find it interesting that, um, that you know, when at the really the close of all of the Pentateuch, uh, when we have this uh, this, you know, people kind of viewed that the whole point of the law is that, you know, the Torah is that you need to follow all these laws. And then you get to things like this, like, um, Deuteronomy 30. And it says like, after everything's taken place, he says in 30 verse six, the Lord, your God will circumcise your heart and the hearts of your sins. And then you will love him with all your heart, all your soul that you will live. Uh, right. So like God's going to have to do a new work in these people in order to follow him. And, and that's at the kind of the conclusion even of the book. 
Um, and so, okay, we do need to know that there is a huge difference, right? There is a difference, but I still don't think the answer is ignore it because it's old yeah. and it's obsolete. And, and again, it's some of it, you know, I'm, I'm always kind of amazed at the, at the levels with which people will, will try to get around scripture they don't like. And so, um, you know, the Bible clearly, it, even in what you said, uh, God's giving us a new heart to obey the laws, you know, so he's giving us the internal mechanism to fulfill what the law requires, not to destroy the law, you know, God, God did not uh, end the law in that sense, he fulfilled it. And so sometimes you'll see Paul speaking and even Jesus speaking in terms of fulfillment, satisfying the requirement of the law. Um, and in some sense, that, that means that the trespass that we have against the law has been paid. It has been fulfilled. It has been successfully lived up to in Christ. Yeah. Uh, that, that doesn't mean that we then are capable of just living as terribly as we want. You know, even Paul says, Romans 6, 1, uh, should we continue in sin that grace may abound? May it never be. Uh, yeah. Because when you're in Christ, you begin to want to live as Christ. And that means that you too want to live to the requirement of the law. But the penalty for failure has been paid. And that's so, so that's where I think people get confused. Uh, the moral law of God is, in fact, in, intact. And of course, that might be leading us to a second or third option that you're going to mm -hmm. present. Um, so the, the reality that salvation in, in the new covenant era uh, of being in Christ uh, keeps us out of the consequences of the law, the, the, the death that's owed, um, hellfire, all of that is paid in Christ, that doesn't mean then that we have no standard because the yeah. whole rest of the New Testament is about this is how you ought to live now, um, drawing closer and closer to God. So, so I, I think you're spot on with it. I think and you bring up like, really, that's what when we see the new covenant is going to be made in Jeremiah 31. Uh, you even see when Ezekiel's talking about it in Ezekiel yep. 36, all of mm -hmm. it is about he's going to give us a new heart so that we might obey his law, right? Like the I, and I think that's the, the Ezekiel even makes it clear he's going to place his spirit within us. So we're talking about the new covenant, right? Um, yes. So let's talk about that. So I think you started to go off on the next where I think is a kind of in the realm, I would call this in the realm of acceptable options to try to think about this. And uh, you mentioned the moral law. Uh, so I guess the way that people would see the laws at this point, and I think it's helpful, is to see it within three categories, moral, civil, and ceremonial. Uh, you might, some might call it judicial if you're talking about the civil area, but, um, you know, the idea of the moral being the Ten Commandments, ones that deal with morality, uh, civil is, you would see, um, these are the ones that are like, here's how you run a nation. Here's how your camps are to run. This is how you're supposed to deal with cases as they come through and, and uh, inheritance laws and, uh, you know, and marriage and all sorts of stuff like that. And then, of course, ceremonial are the ones like we've talked about. Okay, here's how you build the tabernacle. Here's what the priests are supposed to wear. Here's what they're supposed to do. Here's how you offer sacrifices. Uh, and so, you know, now granted, the, the issue with this big one, right, is that none of the laws label themselves as such. In fact, if you try to categorize right. any of them, none of them label themselves as moral, civil, ceremonial. In fact, some of them blend together sometimes. Some seem to be talking about the same thing or in both categories. Um, but I think it is helpful to look at it in terms of that. And, and the thought is, well, okay, let's, what's been fulfilled already? Jesus has fulfilled uh, the, the, the ceremonial already in himself 
and the Holy Spirit resides in his people, we don't have a temple anymore. Um, we're not living as a, you know, now that the Gentiles have been brought in, we are now, um, you know, we are, and we're not running a nation or a camp anymore. Uh, those are not for us. Uh, it, that, that has kind of ceased. We're not uh, building a nation anymore. Um, and then you have moral that still seems to stand. And so some have said, that's what we do is all the other stuff is, those are glimpses into a time past um, and they are no longer relevant in terms to us. Uh, and really, when we read the law, we should just recognize that it's just the moral code that we keep. Any thoughts, anything you'd add to that? Yeah, I, I, I think it's helpful more than it's hurtful uh, to, to use this approach because um, it, it puts it in a framework where people can understand. And I think generally the moral law um, is known beyond Israel, even before uh, the new covenant, you know, and Paul will talk about Gentiles who behave as such a way affirming the law that they never even received. Um, and uh, so, like you said, there's no clear point where this is where I'm talking about moral enduring law says Moses. And then these laws are, you know, to pass away, but you, you can see that Christ succeeded in the moral law. Um, Christ succeeded in uh, fulfilling the ceremonial. You know, he even stands as the high priest today uh, in, in the heavenly temple, right? So he's, um, he's doing whatever those priestly uh, laws were seeking to accomplish. He's done that as uh, the high priest and the sacrifice himself. So that's fulfilled. And, and that's the law that offers, you know, forgiveness to, to, um, to bring the, the wholeness to the covenant, right? So when we breach the covenant, uh, that sacrificial system is what allows us to uh, be made whole again. And so rather than that happening on going over and over, it's, it's once and for all in the, in the blood of Christ. Mm -hmm. So, so we can see, okay, that's how that was fulfilled um, in Christ. When I'm in the person of Christ, I have fulfilled the law through him, through his godly life, which sometimes we don't always talk about how important it was that Christ lived a sinless life. Um, so all of them, I think in some sense are fulfilled in that yet um, sanctification in my uh, journey into becoming more like Christ what we're kind of given regularly in the New Testament is uh, a re-declaration of these moral expectations. Yeah. And well, so I, I do think it's helpful. I'm not sure it's the most precise uh, way that the New Testament views it, but it, it, it's a very helpful, teachable way of understanding why we should keep the moral law today. Absolutely. And I think it's helpful to kind of sift through those laws as well. Like, I think it's clear in Leviticus especially with clean versus unclean. I think that's the easiest one to kind of parse out as because those ones for the most part are clean versus unclean. It seems to be the big part about those unless later on they'll say this is unclean or whatnot. Um, but for the most part, especially when you start to get into uh, a set of those in the middle of the book there or right towards the beginning, um, they, they, they seem to all be talking about, you know, you're approaching the temple in worship or the tabernacle in worship. Uh, and so those are ones that are very, those are different. They look different, they sound different, and there's something about them uh, in, in terms of what they're for. And they seems to be, especially if you look at chapter 12, chapter 16, they talk about approaching the tabernacle in worship, and they're not really making it a case of sin. It's not about sin. These are just people. In fact, there, there's other guys and that's their job, right? Is at some point job at making sacrifices 
in the tabernacle, uh, you're going to become the guy who's got to be unclean for the day because you had to sift the ashes and toss them outside the camp. Um, so, I, but I do think, so sometimes you can parse through some of those, but what you brought up, I think is another piece, which is kind of slightly connected to this is the view that we say, okay, well, because we have an old and we have a new, um, the, the laws that we carry over and that we deal with are the ones that are only recommunicated in the New Testament, right? So that's kind of similar because that ends up just sim simply being really the moral law. Um, the Ten Commandments uh, are one, with, with the exception of uh, our understanding of how the Sabbath is to be used. Every one of those uh, Ten Commandments are kind of brought back in and discussed. And so there are some who would say, okay, well, the way we should think about it is, we're a new covenant people. That was old covenant. The only laws that we need now are the ones in which the new covenant tells us to continue on with. So what do you think about as a New Testament guy to that view? Yeah, I think, you know, again, it it's a little, you know, too clean maybe for me to just say, okay, we, we need the New Testament to specify this in order to know that this is enduring or this is not. But um, clearly in my mind, if the new Testament reiterates it for the church, then, then that's a non-negotiable, you know, even if it's different, even if there's a new law, you know, um, uh, or, um, guidance on how that we should worship or those types of things. I think those are, are significant. Um, but, um, so, and I, and it's amazing to me, the new Testament has much lower, uh, number of laws, right. And we see in our culture today, every effort employed to try to subvert the ones that are even mentioned in the new Testament. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, I, I think that it, you may miss something if you say, Oh, we'll just look at what's in the new Testament. And then it gives you a chance to say, well, maybe we don't even need the old Testament anymore because all we have is the new. So that that's a danger in that perspective that I see. Uh, but certainly if the new Testament calls us to do it, then I think uh, you'd, you'd need some sort of extra revelation to say that it's no longer normative uh, for the yeah. future. Um, so I, I think I don't see our culture trying to overly become legalistic today. I, I see it quite the opposite. Um, but I do know there's a tendency in our history to move more legalistic. So, um, so yeah, I, I think that that's important. Uh, so I'd say, yeah, clearly, if it's in the New Testament, yes, we should follow it. But if it's not in the New Testament, but it's in the old, it doesn't mean that we shouldn't follow it. We just need to um, kind of work through it a little bit, you know, hermeneutics. Yeah. Well, and that brings up kind of the third view, which is, um, no, it is relevant and it is still for us. Um, what has changed was now that we are a new covenant people is we need to look at those laws from a, uh, a viewpoint of principle, right? So what is the principle behind the law? Uh, because a lot of those forms are attached to ceremony. They're attached to an old covenant people. Uh, and so what about those laws uh, are still relevant? Like, obviously, the food laws have been dealt with. Those right. have been, we see that in the book of Acts chapter 10, uh, that that's different, uh, that those have been made clean. Even Mark uh, says that about Jesus, uh, that he says he declared all foods clean uh, with that little reference that he throws in. Uh, but okay, so the stuff that we know has not been specifically done away with, by the you know, by the new testament uh we uh, look at those and the principal laws would say that we would say okay well then what is the principle there and then how do i how do i make sure that i keep this in principle as a new covenant person uh so um you would look at something like maybe 
how you treat your animals. Maybe they're talking in terms of ox or stuff like that. And you don't have to say, well, it's just if I have an ox, do I have to do this? You would say, no, what's the principle behind this? Maybe I should be a benevolent, uh, you know, uh, keeper of my animals that God has given me. Uh, you know, and so there you go. I keep a principle and that's, that's what it is. Any, any thoughts that you would flush out with kind of the principle view? Yeah. And I, I like the principle view a lot and I think it's, uh, very helpful. The, the idea, I guess, in, in my mind behind it is that whenever God has revealed himself to his people, um, he's revealing to some extent, the unchangeable, uh, God, the Godhead. Um, and, and so he's revealing something about himself and what he wants for us, um, usually coming out and what he expects of us because he's, he's calling us, you know, into a relationship with himself. And so while it might have been um, evident in a certain way at a certain time for Israel, um, what that reveals about who God is and about who we are is, is not changed unless something changed it, you know? So our sinful nature in the Old Testament is a little um, more unchecked without the Holy Spirit uh, in the human heart, right, of the believer. And so we might need a little more exterior force on certain things and more specificity. Um, but all of those things still point us to the holiness of God. And so uh, we really shouldn't discard that and say, oh, that's Old Testament stuff. No, what we need to say is, what does that teach me about God? And how can I live today um, to acknowledge that reality of God yeah. or about how he made me or would like me to be? Um, and so, yeah, I love the principle of you. I think it's very helpful. And um Again, I, I think it's a piece of the pie. I think some of all of these are coming together in certain ways. But um, before I go on further, you know, uh, I'll kick it back to you. If you said there were four ways that you were going to cover today, right? Yeah. Um, so I think what's tied to that, I, I like principle law because I do think there are certain things that are pretty easy in that, right? Like there's certain forms that remain. Like I told my students when I made a video for them recently, like with the principles, uh, like, okay, here's what doesn't change. There's certain things that, connected to the old covenant peoples that don't change and you don't have to find a way to make the one-to-one -one correlation to today one of them being sexual activity right people have had sex the same way and tried different crazy things since forever and when he spoke to them at that time guess what people's bodies still did the same thing before and so it's the same way that you'd say here's what they said Here's what you do, right? There's that, right? Uh, there's other times though, like when you look at the principle uh, that you would have to see that, uh, you know, some of those things you kind of have to work through uh, and recognize that like, okay, um, what does is, what is Jesus want us to know about this? Because now I want to work through in my mind, right? Like uh, there's a principle for divorce that he offers. And we've dealt with this. If you go back in our OTXNT uh, things on, our views of divorce. So what's the issue then? What, what's the principle behind the divorce that is offered? Well, go back and look at the context. What is, what, what is Moses teaching about divorce? Some of that you need to just reconcile like in, uh, with the fact that in the ancient world, uh, people aren't getting these kind of a rights, especially the women are. And what the, what the text does is elevate her status and give her rights. Um, but there is some of that where, you know, Matthew 19, Jesus is saying it's out of the hardness of your hearts that he's allowed this. 
Um, and it was not meant to be this way. Uh, and we go back to, you know, Genesis chapter two, where how God made them, the two become one. Uh, and so that's, that can be tough sometimes if you think about what's the principle behind this. However, when we deal with the topic of divorce today, you should look at what does the Torah say about divorce? And, and, and it does seem to be that the views of the Torah on divorce gel with what the views of the New Testament. It's not that Torah has this like free, anybody wanted like, like people look at the old, the Torah and they say, oh, it could have been done for anything because that's how they, it, the rabbis interpreted it, or they had a debate about that at least. Uh, but when you actually look at it, it says when he finds something indecent with her, and it does appear that it's the exact same thing that what Paul seems to be talking about, uh, or what Jesus is talking about on the conditions yeah. for allowing for divorce. So I would just say, you know, some of that you just got to, once again, you always got to keep in mind the New Testament when you're dealing with those principles to make sure that you're right with it. Uh, but you should try to see is how do they carry over into today? Okay, now the fourth view I was going to say, which is very similar to this, is I would just say it's, I call it the wisdom view. It's not original to me. I got this from John Salehammer. And Salehammer really pulls that out of um, Deuteronomy chapter four. Um, and he says this that uh, Moses, he makes note how Moses tells the people in verse five. I've taught you the statutes, ordinances, uh, as the Lord God commanded me, so that you will follow them in the land you're entering to possess. Carefully follow them, for this will show your wisdom and understanding in the eyes of the peoples. When they hear about all these statutes, they will say, this great, this nation, um, this great nation is indeed a wise, understanding people. For what great nation is it that has a God near to it, as the Lord our God is to us uh, whenever we call to him? So, um, that appears to be saying in his mind, and I think I, I'm convinced of this too, is that we read these to say, what does this teach me about God? And you alluded to that already, that yeah, these yeah. are unchanging things about who God is. So maybe a better way to say it is, what does this teach me when I read passages on sexuality? What does this teach me about what God thinks about sexuality? When I read things about clean versus unclean, though, what's what's the point? What What's behind why I am to read these things. What does this teach me about God? Well, it teaches me about the extreme holiness of God, right? We approach on his terms, not ours. Um, you know, so those are things I think it's instead of saying, I got to find the one-to-one -to, -one to make sure I can fulfill it. It just, I should pause and just say, what does it teach me about what life was like for those people? What does it teach me about the human heart? What does it teach me about God? Uh, but I do think there's a lot of that in there that you say, if this is what God expected of his people in terms of how they should live uh, and what he wanted, then I should begin to think about say, God, how do you want me to live as a result, right? May, it may not be a one-to-one -one on that, but it might be something to keep in mind of this was what he wanted. He wanted holiness. Do I live in holiness, right? So those are some things I guess I would think of as it's kind of similar to principle, but, but slightly nuanced. Yeah, and I think it's it's a very good view, and it, it helps tie into the wisdom literature, you know, as well that, that the Jewish tradition of seeking after the blessed life, right? You know, the the ancient Greeks were looking for the good life, um, but you know, the kind of person that God blesses lives like this, and uh, so you even see later Hebrew scripture really interacting less with um, right and wrong and trespass and uh, sin. Uh, and more about okay, what's the best life? And obviously, that that assumed obedience to the <laughs> to the laws of God. You know, there's so many uh, verses about just praising God for His ordinances, but also the the reality of how that plays out in life, and how um, I can seek to 
implement these laws in such a way to um, find God's blessing. So I, I think that ties in very well. I think the New Testament, especially James, um, really fits into that almost uh, Jewish wisdom literature for the New Testament as he's working out the law of Christ. Um, and, and again, that law, you know, um, the golden rule, you know, uh, that, that kind of thing, uh, it, it does pull in, uh, pull in a lot of these different ways of approaching the law. Um, but it, it really does, it helps me to be more aware that God is less concerned about me staying on the right side of a line <laughs> and he's more concerned about conforming me to the image of Christ. And that extends beyond me ceasing from sin, um, into actually living as God would want me to live, thinking as God would want me to think and acting as, uh, as he would want uh, on behalf of others. And so that kind of thing, I think, is, is helpful with the, the wisdom approach. It's close to the principle approach as yeah. well. Um, I, think, I think the wisdom approach helps you to encapsulate and say it's not just about what's speci specified here, but it's trying to take it into account. And I think those go hand in hand, though. Really, I think mm -hmm. a wisdom kind of looks at all of it, right, is you kind of say, I'm not going to limit myself to just say, OK, if it's here, then that's it. Right. That's what Jesus didn't want to say. Uh, he, he would say it, it's not about just following these things, but it's about, you know, do you love your love the Lord your God with all your heart and you love your neighbor as yourself? And I think in a, a wisdom approach kind of gets you there. Uh, it gets you that point where you're understanding here. What's the major point that he's trying to make with all of this? Um, and so, yeah, I, I would agree that. Um, I like that. I think it helps you to say I'm not getting bogged down trying to figure out how every law would work in my life today, but I'm, what does this teach me about who God is right now? And, and Holy Spirit, what would you like me to do? What, how do I need to change as you pray? Um, you know, those are things I think that are helpful. Um, and, uh, and I do think that, uh, yeah, it kind of lines up, it makes it easier for us um, that we are, we're, we're not trying to find every single rule and we're not feeling like we've broken everyone just because we haven't found a way for every slot to have something, but it does take the law seriously and it takes its points seriously and its principles seriously. Um, and I think a good example of this is first Corinthians nine, uh, where, you know, Paul is dealing with, um, he deals with the, like, for instance, he deals with, uh, the, the words of Moses in Deuteronomy 25, uh, 25, four, he says, for it's written in the law of Moses, do not muzzle an ox while it treads out grain. Is God really concerned about oxen? Isn't he really saying it for our sake? Yes, this was written for our sake because he who plows ought to plow in hope and he who threshes should try, who should thresh, uh, in hope of sharing a crop. Uh, you know, he, this is something that, um, that, you know, Paul is taking something like, here's a law and not just principalizing it and just saying, Hey, it's for all animals, but he's giving more like the wisdom behind it as well. Uh, that, and he uses that for a couple other ways in terms of, uh, paying of your pastors. Here's how you, here's how we should live that kind of a thing. So there's, there's a principle, but there's some wisdom behind what does it teach us to, um, in that. So I, yeah, I think that's a better way to look at this than to try to cut through and say, here's what I think counts and doesn't count. Uh, but to recognize we do have a division, new versus old, um, and we are bound by what the new tells us for sure. The old, I think we, we look for the wisdom. We look for principles. Um, we, what can it teach me about God and what should I do as a result of it? And I think that's what's lacking sometimes, Andrew, is we read it and we say, well, that's old covenant. 
I'll read it and I'll, it'll teach me something, but we don't think, what should I do as a result? Like you and I still bear responsibility to submit to the authority of the text. And we should still say, what should I do as a result of hearing these words, even if they came from Deuteronomy? Um, in the same way, I would say, if they came from, you know, Matthew, what do you think? Yeah, no, I think uh, I really think all four of these approaches have uh, a place in how we handle law. Um, and again, um, it is important. We, we live in light of the New Testament, which is our last true revelation of God's word um, that he gave us. And so because of that, that that's the enduring uh, covenantal law, right? Um, the New Testament, uh, it's the new covenant. And so when we read the New Testament and it gives us uh, commands, the, those are non-negotiables. Those are actually commands. Yeah. And I think sometimes when people see what we do with the Old Testament, where it has either been abrogated, such as um, the food laws, uh, and so we, we don't necessarily say the food laws had no value. And some people will try to say, oh, they must have had a health value or, or something like that. I, I actually think that most likely they, the purpose of those laws was uh, separative so that you would know an Israelite when you met one, that, that there were certain things they didn't do. And there were certain things they did that made them look funny. And it helped unite them as a people until they produced the Messiah. And in the Messiah, now we, we're no longer held to those. Yeah. Um, but that's, that doesn't mean there wasn't value there because God's called us to be set apart in different ways in the new covenant. And so the principles endure, the wisdom there is important. And, and so we bring that forward. But I think sometimes also people will say, well, if you're allowed to principalize the Old Testament or, or look at it as just wisdom insights, they want to do that also with the New Testament and say, oh, now I don't have to do these commands because in light of, uh, usually it comes from a place of arrogance, in light of our superior moral, moral culture of the 21st century or in light of the technological advances of the 21st century, we know better than that first century document. And mm -hmm. so we'll principalize that or you know, look at it as just wisdom literature and, and try to treat that like Old Testament uh, teachings, yeah. which there is a distinction we you know 21st century has not received a new revelation of jesus christ no that um negates those commands it, and the, the the commands just to finish up you know jesus said the law and the prophets hang on love the lord your god with all your heart soul mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself and if you look at the 10 commandments the decalogue we see the first half is a hor or a vertical relationship of me and god love and the second half is horizontal me and my fellow man uh, love and yeah. so that is an enduring moral force uh, that really should define how we live. Um, but it, it cuts deeper than just even legalistic fulfillment. You know, you're, you're preaching through the Sermon on the Mount or you have been, you know, Jesus just slams that type of legalism. He's yeah. calling us to a greater and deeper obedience. So in fact, yeah, the New Testament seems to call them to a stricter uh, because the Old Testament, sometimes they were looking at, OK, check the box. I've done it. New Testament is. Yeah. Yeah, well, let's let's go deeper than that, right? I yeah. will say this. I, I think the one thing we have is the old anticipates the new past. Uh, the old anticipates the new, and the old anticipates the old covenant passing away. The New Testament just doesn't come along and say, hey, guess what? We're all done, like with the old. You've got 
you've got the end of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 30. You've got Jeremiah 31. You've got the prophets talking more about this. You've got Ezekiel 36. All of them are pointing towards the old is coming to a close. And, and when the new does come, Jesus even says, this is the covenant. This is the cup of the new covenant. Like we're talking about, like it's changing now. And so, but you don't see that at anywhere, nor are we ever, ever invited to at the end of the new Testament to say, something will come later that will put all of this away, right? Uh, there, there's nothing else that we wait upon uh, to, to change that how we should do. So we are bound by, by the old, uh, by the new covenant, and, um, and we still, the entire Old Testament is there for us. And, and Paul tells us, right, in 2 Corinthians 3, uh, 2 Timothy 3, uh, that all the scriptures, right, it's still there for us, for, for rebuking, for training, for correcting, uh, you know, all those things, it's still there for you and I, and he's not just meaning his letters, um, he's talking about us, uh, and so I think those are things that, um, that we, we need to keep in mind, that uh, only, only uh, if you were to find that there were reasons in the text to tell us that we can move beyond, but we can't, there's no anticipation of that. There's no anticipation of a sec or third revelation outside of that, which could be for another video, another time. <laughs> faiths that claim third revelation. What do we do with them? Yeah. And, you know, awesome. I was looking up some verses, you know, the New Testament will use this new language uh, like uh, Galatians 6 two, carry one another's burdens in this way. You fulfill the law of Christ. And you'll see that law of Christ language in a few places. And the idea is that as people of the Messiah, as, as people in Christ, the law of Christ uh, binds us in some sense. And, you know, I, I kind of look at, you know, Christ fulfilled the law on my behalf. Um, and my journey in sanctification is him drawing me to, to not only have it fulfilled on my behalf, but also to live in light of that fulfillment. And so mm -hmm. I begin um, to, uh, be holy as he is holy, you know, yeah. he transforms us. And of course, that means there has to be holiness, there has to be goodness, there has to be morality. And when we pursue Christ, and it, it, you know, I remember the bracelets, everybody, what would Jesus do? But if we really lived in light of what, how would Christ approach this circumstance or this situation, uh, we would be better. And we, we would know that we are in the will of God. But, you know, we've also talked about some of those issues where it's a little fuzzier, and, and how do we know if it's right? And sometimes it might be against my conscience, but it's not a clear violation of God's law. And, um, and Paul helps us through that, as we talked about on the conscience video. So it, it is interesting, but you know, I, I would just say, it's so easy just to say, if, if Paul says certain behaviors keep you out of the kingdom of heaven, then those are clearly wrong. <laughs> yeah. And um, so we, we don't engage in those behaviors and we don't yeah. try to get around those. But in the Old Testament, when we talk about how um, how to treat those that are serving you or even the slavery uh, issues. Uh, we, we aren't looking to reestablish those practices, rather recognizing God has always called his people to care about those that are in a lower class or are treated differently by society and making sure that we are doing things in an honoring way that shows love to our neighbor. Um, yeah. and, and so, yeah, I, I think uh, it's not always easy to work through it. But, you know, this is also the importance of having pastors in your life and, and good uh, Bible teachers that, that can sift through this. I, I think, uh, unfortunately, some Bible teachers we see, and we've talked about, you know, um, basically discard the entire Old Testament, which 
no, you, you can't do that. And, and what a, what a betrayal of thousands of years of God's revelation to his people. No, we, we love the old Testament, but we do live in light of the new Marcionite heresy is what it is. Just repackaged. Yeah. <laughs> I would say this. I think there are a lot of guys and I know that they just won't deal with this in general because they don't want to, and they don't want to think through it. And you'll never hear church people have to deal with this, but then they'll go somewhere else and someone will say, well, Hey, there you are. Leviticus says these things. Is that how you're going to live too? And like, okay, well, let's sift through that. Let's, let's look at how do we actually approach this? I think it is helpful to think in terms of these categories of like, okay, let's start with new Testament. What do we know from new Testament first? Right. Then we'll go back and we'll start to look at that and we say, okay, well, what should this teach me? Right. Why, why is it that God wanted me to abstain from foods? Why is it that God wanted me to abstain? So I think you're right. I think that this is a, it takes a lot of those together, but yeah, hopefully you've got a good church, um, a good pastor who will sift through this stuff with you uh, and that you're not having to get it off the internet, like with us, I guess, <laughs> uh, you know, but some random, you know, blog of somebody who's using that to, to hit Christians over the head because we believe certain crazy things as they come from Leviticus or Numbers or Deuteronomy or whatnot. So anyways, man, I think this has been a good one. And, uh, you know, I hope that this is helpful for people and how to think through some of these things. Yeah, I agree. I think, um, you know, especially we're going in towards the, the Christmas season at, at the recording of this, and there's so many great practices and things that are part of the great Christian tradition. Uh, it's not legalistic, um, but, you know, even just celebrating Christ, there's nothing wrong with that. And we can even bring in new things as long as they're not contrary to the law. And I think that's another video we could talk about because I also see kind of a, a movement uh, kind of among some folks, uh, like, well, if it's not specifically written in the Bible, then it would be a sin to, to do it. Um, and, yeah. um, and, and that might be another excess that that's beyond what scripture requires, but, um, yeah, I think it's good. You, you want to close this out? Let's do it, man. All right, here we go. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look with favor on you and give you peace. Hey, thanks for watching, guys. We'll talk to you later. Thanks, and uh, have a good rest of the week. God bless. Take care. Bye.